Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to A Word with Tom Merritt. I'm Tom Merritt. And this is a special episode because it's just you and me in the front room today. I'm going to do these from time to time when when I have an idea that I think I want to get across that helps with the purpose of this show, which is to help us all think about things, to help us wrap our heads around things, but not tell you what to think. Uh, so I was just thinking about driving. That's going to be today's word. And I think that automobiles make a very good metaphor. I'm not going to try to apply this metaphor too much because I'm not trying to make a point that X is like driving. But I think there's something instructive about driving that can be applied to a lot of different situations and a lot of different arguments and thinking and that sort of thing. So so think of this as just me showing off a tool. This tool may be useless. Maybe, maybe you don't need a screwdriver. All you have is nails. You need a hammer. That's fine. Uh, you can look at the screwdriver and go, not for me. Uh, maybe this is just the thing you need because all you have uh, are, are things that need to be screwed in with a screwdriver. Uh, maybe this is a flathead screwdriver and really you need a Phillips head. So it's kind of useful, but not perfect for the job. Whatever it is, think of this as, as a potential metaphorical tool, because I think analogies are, are one of the great shortcuts that help us think about things. And the reason I picked driving, for one, it's something that we all have experience with, even if we don't drive. Uh, I, I think it's obviously more pertinent in the United States, where car culture, uh, so-called, is, is dominant. Uh, but even in places where driving isn't as dominant it's pretty common. Even if you don't have a driver's license, you've probably been in a car recently. Maybe it was a friend's car. Uh, maybe it was a taxi or an Uber or something like that. And even if you haven't been in one recently, you're probably in one with some frequency. Now, those two of you left who are like, not me, I'm never in a car. Well, you can stop the podcast now. That's fine uh, if you want. Uh, you win. You win the argument about being special. But most people are in cars. Most people are familiar with driving. And I think this is a really special metaphor because it shows some interesting things that run counter to some of the assumptions we all make when we make arguments. Just in general, when I see people discussing things, uh, there's the idea that people aren't going to follow the rules unless you force them. There's the idea that if something's possibly harmful, then why not limit it? Uh, you know, why, why let it exist at all if, if it's harmful? That's why I think driving is a great metaphor to look at. 
first of all, a car is incredibly dangerous. Uh, a car can get up to a hundred miles per hour. It can very quickly kill people. If you think, oh, if I see a car coming, I, I can get out of the way. That's only because a car has never been directed at you. It is very difficult to get out of the way of, a, of an automobile. And uh, I, I don't mean to make light of that when I say that. It is it is something, even recently, uh, that has taken people's lives. It can be used for ill. It not, may, may not be the easiest thing to use for ill, but it's incredibly dangerous. It's also incredibly dangerous to the operator. Uh, it is very easy to kill yourself uh, in an automobile, whether intentionally, which is you know the darkest of thoughts, of course, but but unintentionally uh, because of a mistake, because you're going at such high speeds. And when I say high speeds, uh, I, I mean 40 miles an hour is a very high speed to go if you're a human or a horse even, and and we regularly go above that speed. The amount of skill it takes to to safely operate an automobile, I think, is underestimated. And yet, we let people drive cars all the time. We make them pass a test because we understand how dangerous it is. We say, you should prove that you know how to drive this car, that you know the fundamentals, and that you are aware of the risks. That That's one of the big parts of licensing a, a, a car when, when you give someone a license to drive a car is making sure they know how dangerous it is. It is. I, I, I imagine some things have changed in, in driver's education over the years, uh, but I imagine what hasn't changed is impressing upon people that cars are dangerous, that they're high-speed vehicles, and that if you're not paying attention, you can kill yourself or others. So we take care to say, okay, this is a very dangerous thing that we have here, but we think it's worth it. So we don't just ban it. We don't say, well, a car could kill someone. Uh, a, a car could kill the operator. A car is a dangerous thing. We should ban them all. That's not what we do. Uh, I think very sensibly, we look at a car and we say, all right, this is dangerous. Let's make sure that people understand how dangerous it is before we let them operate it. And let's regularly enforce that. Let's require them to keep their license valid. Uh, let's give penalties if they misuse the automobile. Uh, and and one of those penalties, uh, in some cases, could be that they lose the license. Uh, they lose the ability to legally operate it. So there's that end of it. There's that end of of something being dangerous, being known to be dangerous, being quite deadly uh, when you look at the statistics. And yet... We find it, whether it's useful or pleasurable, uh, is up for argument, uh, but we find it worth allowing that danger and taking some basic caveats that are government-run to say, let's make an effort to educate people in the proper use of this dangerous item. Let's also make a governmental effort to regulate its use. Uh, this is a kind of government regulation that everybody loves. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, not everybody loves a speed limit. I'll give you that. But everybody loves that other people respect stop signs. Uh, everybody complains when there isn't a stoplight put in at a particular intersection. Now, I'm certainly certain there's a good argument could be made uh, by a libertarian out there for for libertarian uh, traffic enforcement, uh, and and I I would love to hear that. I I would entertain that greatly, but. You don't hear people complaining about the government's implementation of basic traffic laws. You might hear 
people complain about them not properly enforcing them or possibly enforcing them too much in a speed trap. But by and large, we're pretty happy with a system that says you stop at a stop sign. Uh, you let people uh, go if they're at the stop sign before you. You you stop at a red light. Uh, you go at a green light. Uh, every, everybody seems to be okay with that being the law. Uh, there are laws that that people generally uh, respect and, and and find useful, and I think traffic laws are one of them. However, there is a fiction, I think, <laughs> that enforcement of the traffic laws is what keeps people following them, and I don't think that's true. I think we all are a little nervous about getting caught by a policeman for speeding. I don't think most people are too worried about being caught by a policeman for uh, making a right turn when they shouldn't have made a right turn if there's no one around. Uh, there's a little bit of speed trap cameras, you know, or not speed trap cameras, but but red light cameras, a uh, little anger about now I was making a left turn on a yellow and the, the camera caught me and I, I got a ticket for that. But but by and large, we follow the traffic rules, not because we're afraid of getting caught. I mean, look at rural intersections. If any of you have never been out in a rural area uh, where there's a stop sign and nobody there, you don't need to stop at that stop sign. You don't. The chances of someone coming right at that second are pretty low. And in many rural areas, pretty obvious. Uh, I'm thinking of uh, particular intersections when I was growing up where there was nobody around for miles. You could see them coming if they were there. And yet, not every single person. And I, and I witnessed some exceptions. But the vast majority of people stop at that stop sign. And it's maybe something in the back of their head about getting caught. Maybe there's a policeman lurking somewhere. you got to pop up and, and, and nab you. But mostly it's because... Most of us are fine following sensible rules, and not because we're sheep, but because we know those rules work, and we don't want to have to think about every situation every time. Sensible rules are helpful because they're shortcuts. They mean you don't have to decide morally every single time what needs to be done. There's a stop sign, you stop at it. If there's nobody coming, you go. It's pretty simple. And if you turn that into like, well, there's a stop sign, but should I morally follow it? It becomes more complex and we have enough complexity in our lives. So we stop. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Again, not everybody stops. Some people decide to have that moral complexity. Some people avowedly will come to that stop sign and say, you know what? There's nobody coming. I don't need to stop and I don't want to slow down. I'm going to keep going. But I guarantee you, it's not the majority. 
that most people at that unobserved stop sign, I mean, they might do a rolling stop. I'll grant you that. It might not be a full, complete stop, but they do a basic stop. And a lot of people who don't do a stop later do a stop. In other words, they might do it once and then later go, you know what? I'm just going to stop because that's the norm. It's not the fear of punishment. It's not police that cause most people to do the right thing in most situations. It's having a system of norms that we all agree on. And I think one of the, I think this is, I am going to inject a little of my own opinion in here. I, I do think that we have fewer norms than we, we used to uh, because of disruption to society with increased travel, increased information. And I don't mean to say that travel and information are bad things, but we, we have changed the way society is constructed. And so we have fewer norms. And I think that causes a lot of the discomfort and anxiety in, in society. But one of the norms we've got is traffic laws and they work with, you know, minor little quirks here and there, pretty much the same worldwide. It's a worldwide culture to stop at a stop sign, at that red hexagon, to stop at a red light. Now we have this crazy thing where some people drive on the right, some people drive on the left. We could use some standardization there. But for the most part, we we have a norm, and it's way easier to follow a norm unless we're finding it detrimental. Uh, social norms come under question when they no longer apply, uh, or they now cause more harm than good. Uh, there are examples where a social norm was put into place unfairly, and we start to realize it was unfair. There are situations where the social norm was fine when it was put into place, but is not anymore. But when they aren't unfair, and when they work, we follow them. Hence us not following speed limits. Uh, and I think this is one of my favorite examples of everyone breaks the law in speeding. And again, I know there's three of you this time that are like, never speed, never go over the speed limit. And boy, are the people behind you annoyed. <laughs> because really, the rule with speed limits is go the speed of the traffic around you. That is the social norm, even though it's not the law. And that, I think, kind of bolsters my point that we don't follow the rules because we're afraid of getting caught. We follow the rules because it's a social norm and it's easier to do. And the easiest thing to do when you're on a highway is go the speed of the traffic around you. Don't try to race in front of everybody. Everybody gets annoyed at that person who's weaving in and out and going and cutting people off. And people get annoyed at the person who's going too slow because I was in this lane. Now I got to change lanes and go around you. If you're going the speed of everybody else, the vast majority of people are fine with that. Yes, let's just go. And if that speed is over the speed limit, well, honestly, I've heard a couple of policemen in my day say, if everybody's going the same speed and it's a fairly safe speed, even if it's above the speed limit, we're not going to nab people. What we're going to nab is the person who's going too fast because that person is risking the lives of other people uh, because they're creating more opportunities for an accident by speeding around people. Now, some police will ticket you for speeding no matter what because they want to, or they have a quota to meet, maybe. Uh, I've heard a lot of police say there is no such thing as quotas. I've heard other police say there absolutely is a thing as quotas. Maybe it varies by department. But for whatever reason, most people speed and most people don't get ticketed. Now, we do. We are afraid of getting busted. When I say we follow the norms not because we're afraid of police, I'm not saying that because we're not 
afraid of, of breaking the law. We're afraid of getting caught breaking the law, of course. But that's why people do radar. And that's why people have reports on ways to tell you where the police are so that you know to slow down and not get caught. But you're going to go right back to speeding once you feel like it's safe. Trust me. I mean, again, those you three don't, of course, but everybody else does. And I think that's another demonstration of the fact that rules are useful when they help us make negotiating the world around us easier. Uh, and a speed limit in, in busy traffic is useless. The speed of the traffic around you is what you want to go. That's going to be the easiest to just go with the flow of the traffic around you. Now, if you're out on an empty road, maybe you're going to go real fast because there's nobody around. Uh, maybe you're going to go real slow because you're tired and you don't want to risk a crash. Uh, you get you get a whole different situation when there's nobody around or if there's less traffic, things like that. But but again, I th I put these out again and you probably started to think, oh, he's making a point about X or, oh, I think he's trying to say secretly he's trying to say something about Y. No, I'm not. I'm really trying to say, here's a metaphor. And I've, I know I'm not the first person to use these metaphors. I, I've seen them used in other arguments. But I think laying them all out in a row like this, rather than cherry picking and saying, well, I'm going to use the speed limit argument, but that's the only one I'm going to use. Or I'm going to use the car is dangerous argument, but that's the only one I'm going to use. Laying them out like this, I think, gave me, when I was thinking about this, a different perspective. It gave me a perspective that there are principles I can pull out of here. And again, maybe I'm crossing the line into giving you more than just a tool and, and giving you an argument. But I, I think the principle of some things that are dangerous, we decide to treat responsibly, even if they're dangerous. We don't just ban them, nor do we just let everyone use them. Uh, I think that's a that's a good principle. And it can be the principle could be misused, certainly, but it's a good principle to show that hey, it's not it's not black and white. It's not either or it's not ban or don't. Uh, I think the principle of we follow rules when they're sensible. People tend to follow rules when they're sensible and that we do have commonalities that we all get along with. And some of those commonalities are exercised by governments. I think those are all interesting principles to show that things aren't maybe as extreme as some folks who would like to manipulate you for donations would like to think. And and I think the idea that we break rules uh, when they're inconvenient, uh, but we break them in a way that that makes things easier as a community around us, I think is an interesting principle as well. As I said, maybe this is a screwdriver when you need a hammer. Maybe this is a flathead when you need a Phillips head, or maybe this is exactly the tool you needed uh, for the job. But in any case, I hope not that you want to argue with me and say, no, you're wrong. I hope this has made you think about things and you can now take this and use it for your own opinion forming, not to win arguments. I mean, you certainly could do that. I'm not going to stop you, but that's not my point. My point isn't to help you, you know, score points on someone on Twitter. My hope is that it'll help you go, well, yeah, things aren't as cut and dried uh, because there is this nuance to it. For example, here's a metaphor that shows that nuance. If you do 
have additional thoughts on the metaphor. Again, you can argue with me. I'm not going to stop you. That's not what I'm here for. I'll probably uh, either ignore or just say you're right. But if you have additional thoughts where you're like, oh, you know, another part of this metaphor that helps me, uh, I'm I'm perfectly uh, happy to hear about that. So please let me know. Uh, that's going to do it for this special episode. I'm not going to play this or that with myself. Uh, thanks to our producers, Jen Cutter and Anthony Lemos. Thank you for listening to the show, telling your friends about it. You can get an ad-free version of this show with Acast Plus. Just click on the Access Exclusive Content button at awordpodcast.com. And we'll have a word with you next time. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.